the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com VoiceAmerica.com welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now here's the host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. I have competition today because I have a radio guy as a guest, right? Bill Gerton, welcome. Did I say your name right? Uh, actually, it's more like 13. It's actually like Gerting. Well, you know, you should have told me that when I talked to you last you know, week. I, I had no idea that I would have come up, but you know what? You're absolutely right. I should have done that. I mean, you know, because it looks like squirtin' Gwerton. It, it, in, in different parts of the country, it's actually pronounced differently. Here in, in good old Bourbon A, Illinois, it's Gertine. Okay, Bill Gertine. And I have to say, it's a pleasure to introduce the 800-pound gorilla. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I mean, that's what your moniker is, isn't it? Indeed it is. Gertine, the 800-pound gorilla. Gertine, the gorilla. <laughs> well, it, was, it was easier to say than Gertine, so I figured that would work out real well and more memorable, too. And I'm sure that the engineers who are listening here at 7 o'clock in the morning and are half asleep, because you know from the radio business they always work 24 hours and all oh. that kind of stuff, they're probably like in shock that they're hearing a radio voice like your own. It's like, oh, my God, this guy really knows radio. He's been doing it since he's 16 years old. <laughs> Literally. And, and you're 66. I mean, very, yeah, I'm, I'm way up there. <laughs> but um, now let's talk about that for a second. Let's just open up the show and talk about how at a very, very young age you sort of fell into radio because of your passion. I, I, I mean, when you were a kid, you weren't playing with, you know, guns and soldiers and blocks. You probably had a microphone in front of your face and you were talking to yourself. I did. I had, you know, for those who remember when the, the realistic little cassette tape recorders from Radio Shack were out, I had one of those and I literally wore one out. <laughs> I had I would tape myself introducing the records and and you know going back and forth and creating uh, like shows some comedy shows and some drama shows and stuff used to love CBS Radio Mystery Theater on the air and so I would listen to that every night I'm going to bed where it was broadcast here lo- locally on the the AM station here and that's what I wanted to do <laughs> and so I just I practiced that and honed it and refined it and finally at 16 finally well, you didn't know how to speak yet. I mean, your parents were probably waiting for you to say, Mommy, Mama, Dada. But no, you know, then you finally ended <laughs> No, I didn't. My first words were a segue. So, I, you know, it was, it was more of a, you know, I, I just kind of blew into this. And then at 16, there was a group of us that said, you know, someday we'd like to be in radio, but we know, Bill, you want to be in radio more, so why don't we all go up to the Dirksen Federal Building in Chicago and take the third-class radio license test? Well, there you go. And, and so we all did. There was only one guy in the group that could drive. <laughs> and so we all went up there, and, and, you know, first experience in Chicago, downtown, took the test. All but one of us passed. We studied on the way up there. I studied way before then, so I was helping them study. And I was the only one to ever use it, and I actually used it in the first months that I owned it. And back at that point, you had to have a third-class radio license to actually be on the air. Wow, wow, not anymore. Not any, you know, anybody can be on the air, right? Anybody could be on the air, like me. Well, listen, I have good news for you. This just in. The second per- my second guest can't yes. make it today, so guess what? You get two segments if you can. Well, how about that? I'd be glad to join you for that. I mean, you know, how great is that? That's great. <laughs> Love to, to visit with you. Oh, man. You know, yeah, so... It's good. It's good. We'll be on the air for a long time. Yay! <laughs> That's right. All right. The beauty of live radio. Okay. No, it is. I love the, the extemporiety. Ooh. 
extemporizing. Okay, so you've been on the radio. We've established this before you had your first steps and your first food and your first words. I mean, okay, right. so that's great. And at the time, you had to have actually a radio license. Yep. How did you manage to get that at 16? Well, up it, when you had to take – actually, the, the, the rule was you had to be 16 in order to at least take the test. And so some of – actually, two of the people that were with us, uh, my group of friends, who were just kind of radio geeks, we said, you know, we, we wanted to get this. So they faked their ID. We all went up there to get it. And it was – all of us had a passion for radio, but we all had different passions. There were a couple of guys who were engineers who liked the, the tinkering part of that. And of course, you had to have a third-class license to do some of that tinkering. And some others of us, you know, had, one guy was a, a musician. He was really interested in the music side of things. And me, I, I really had a kind of a well-rounded interest. I was a musician, but I really wanted to be the on-air guy. I wanted to be Larry Lujak. Larry Lujak! <laughs> and, of course, I think Larry's still around, but Larry, you know, if, for those who, know who, he, who don't know who he is, WLS was the kingpin of AM top 40 radio here in the Chicago area in the 70s, and he was just a guy, and I thought he was just walking on water, and that's who I wanted to be. And so really was trying to follow in his footsteps, so I would do records at home, and I would take my little realistic tape recorder, and I would put it up to the radio, and then I, as soon as the song was about to be done, I'd do my pattern, yeah, that was Boston, and blah, 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 blah. And, and over and over again, I'd tape over, I wore out several little realistic cassette tapes, just going over it and over it, and then listening to it, and seeing how it was. I was really, really working to where I thought I would get the opportunity to be on the air, and I got it. At a very young age, you couldn't drive, you couldn't drink, you couldn't smoke. Well, I don't know about smoke, but... (laughs) (laughs) I've never inhaled. (laughs) Well, listen, radio was different in those days, actually. Boy, was it ever. And, um, you know, I think that people really had to be careful about what they said, I think before Howard Stern pushed the barriers of the FCC, well, you know, Don Imus too, I mean, you know, Stern wasn't the only one, um, you know, you really couldn't say things that were inappropriate on the air or you'd have your license taken away. And there was an, act, there was an issue in which I was involved inadvertently that really pushed the borders of that. When my first job was with a pirate rock and roll station out of Bourbon, Illinois, called WBYG, the big one in Kankakee. <laughs> It was a 50,000-watt blowtorch that went all the way through the Chicago metro area, but nobody ever really sold it in Chicago. It was more of a suburban station. about 60 miles south. And they played pirate rock and roll. It was great album rock. They pulled stuff from album cuts. that were. It was a very unique station. Every DJ that was on had their own program. It was not pre-programmed like everything is today. And so every jock had his or her own style. And we would do these concert events over weekends. And these are done on other radio stations now, but they were actually live cuts from all these albums, you know, where you'd have a a weekend of all live music. And so they'd all be live cuts. Well, I put on the Woodstock album, not knowing that there was a song on the Woodstock album that was uncensored. Okay, so how are you supposed to, I mean, how are you supposed to know that? I mean, you should, I mean, really. Our program director had put little liners on the covers of the albums said play this play this play this do not play this cut well i missed that one and so i put on and i i wish i could remember the name of it but it was the one two three what are we fighting for oh yeah don't, don't give a damn yeah Next don't go to the end, end, man. Man. Yeah, really well <laughs> there's a live version of that 
that I don't think would even make it on Sirius or XM. It's that bad. Uh, and so I didn't know it. So I'm playing, you know, I'm doing my thing, and then I'm looking for the next record, and all of a sudden I hear these words coming out of there, and, and literally almost got us in. Was there an F.U. in there? Oh, I there's plenty. There's lots of those. I know there's Whoopi, We're Gonna Die, and maybe Whoopi was replaced. I, I didn't know the history of, you know, whether that replaced the Fuck You, We're Gonna Die. I, we could say it on this, by the way. We're on oh, internet wow. radio, so we're All allowed right. to say that. I, can you believe? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, here's FCC. Uh, no, uh, well, when you're an internet radio network with the power of Motorvox Broadcasting that's worldwide with the number one talk internet radio station, you could do whatever you want. Wow, well done. <laughs> Are you jealous? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Wow, so what happened? What happened? Well, after you, the, yeah. the owner of the station, who was the general manager at the time, came tearing into the station from wherever he was. I think he was shopping somewhere or on his way somewhere, and was very nice about it. But literally, had somebody else been around, I mean, we, during the week or whatever, I mean, we could have easily lost our license. And so I learned a very valuable lesson there, is to always make sure that I read the label line, the liners of the albums before I put them on. But it was a very big deal at that time. But they didn't, but, you know, you didn't get fired. No, I didn't get fired. I guess I was doing something right. <laughs> What else? Tell, me, tell us a little bit more. We'll talk more about your number one, you know, being the official ticket person for the NBA in the next right. segment now that you have it. So I don't want you to think I'm going to forget that. Cause Not I know, at all. I know, like, you're Mr. Sports. I, you know, and we'll get into that later. But I want to talk about, you know, there's not many people that we at this wonderful pioneer of Internet radio broadcasting, we, we don't very much talk, have the opportunity to talk to people that really know radio. So that's why sure. this is valuable for us. I mean, you're like a radio expert. Well, it's, it's fun. I, I really, I, I, I spent 25 years in the industry, and it was literally some of the very best years of my work life. There was a... And for some of you who've been working in environments where you really know the people well and they're your friends, I mean, you go out drinking with them and you're, you know, you you you're, you have a softball team together and you go out and you know each other's life stories. I mean, that really was for me at that time in my life just a very formidable time. And so, what, but there were things that went on in the station. I mean, the stories that could go on. We, you know, in, in terms of the censorship and such. Of course, we were very very careful with that, but. In our particular station, we had a news area that was kind of connected to, it was like a little booth connected by some glass. You could see each other back and forth to the broadcast area. So when the news guys came in, they would, you know, have a little, like a, a signal that said, okay, turn my microphone on. And it was always turned on by the guy who was in the main studio. So the guy in the news studio really had no idea whether his microphone was on or off. Right. And so... Oh. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> at the top of one particular news hour, and I'm going to leave names out here, the news guy at the time, that may be a clue as to where this is going, uh, yeah. um, had said, well, it, 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 we did a, a tease at the top of the hour, so it was about 11.59 and 30 seconds, and we were going to Paul Harvey News at 12 noon, which, of course, in the Midwest, Paul Harvey is a god. Right, right. And so we were the, the affiliate at that time, and so... You know, the news guy comes on and says, coming up at 12.15, as soon as Paul Harvey is done, we're going to have this and this and this and this. And here's Paul Harvey. And so right at the top of the hour, the guy in the studio is supposed to flip off the microphone from the newsroom. And he didn't do that that day. And? And so the lead story that Paul Harvey had at that time was, uh, you know, this is Paul Harvey. 
the swallows have returned to Capistrano. And the news guy, thinking nobody's listening to him, and he's in a little booth the size of a closet, turns and says, Who gives a flying F, Paul? (gasps) And at that time... It was a big deal. Oh, my God. Well, I want to hear, you know, we we have to wrap up for this segment pretty soon. We have a minute left to go, but, you know, I want to talk in the next segment about the repercussions. I mean, you know, what happened? What was the fine? What happened? What generally happens is if, if the FCC discovers it and there's a complaint filed, and that's the only way in which something will really ever be done. And that's the difference between what happened really in the early kind of late 90s, 2000s, is that people began to complain. They began to actually take a stand and say, this is not right, our kids are listening, we don't want this to happen. And that really was the thing that made the change happen. Things would slip out all the time, but unless someone wrote to the right people, Nothing ever happened. Yeah, well, listen, let's take a break. We'll talk more about that in the next summit. It's really a pleasure to have you, Bill Guertin, 800-pound gorilla. <laughs> pleasure I mean, to be here. You, you really sound good. You can take over my show, but oh, not, well. until we, not until we take a commercial break. Okay, we'll be right back. Very good. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. Festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment. That's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L entertainment.com. Or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions. We do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Cindy Rakowitz. No, actually, here's Bill Gertine. I have work to do, so I need you to take over the show. I mean, just do a monologue, okay? <laughs> well, we can interview you, too, if you want to do that. That'd be Why don't you do that? Come on, let's try. Not many people can do that, so well, go ahead. Shoot. All right, Stars of PR. Stars of PR with Cindy R. When did that begin? It began three and a half years ago. Okay, and that the, the, the foundation for that was what? What did you done prior to that? Well, yeah. I grew up a poor, a poor black child, and no, <laughs> oh, that was Steve Martin, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or was he a white child? I, I, oh, that I, I don't remember, but he did have he did have an African American family, right? Mm, he did. He did. That was a funny movie. I love that movie. But anyway, what what? How did I get into this? I started. I graduated from college, City University of New York. Yay! And um, I had a communications degree. Media relations, in particular, media studies, as they called it, and um, got my. I was determined to work at a New York television station, and everybody said to me, "You know, you're never gonna get a job at a TV station." Of course, <laughs> those what those people said. You know, you're never gonna get a job. Why are you going for that? And what people didn't realize at that time. You know, if you were able to type really, really fast, because we didn't have keyboards yet, it was back in the days of typewriters, you know, and efficiently and accurately, you could really work anywhere. And I wasn't one of those people that, you know, deceived myself that I had to, you know, I was graduating from a great New York university and I was going to get myself an executive job. I just knew I had to start at the bottom. And I don't think a lot of people still know that they have to start at the bottom today. Don't you think that's part of the reason for success of, of, and they want to call them the, the post-greatest generation, is that we were willing and, and continue to be willing to do what's necessary because we know there's a payoff at the end? Well, I think it's the baby boomer generation. You know, on the most part, I would say that 50% of baby boomers always knew that, maybe 60%. I think today, Bill, that probably 1% of echo boomers realize that, and that's because of the social networking generation of MySpace and you know, and Facebook, and they have this, like, false sense of entitlement, and boy, are they going to all fall on their faces. People, old people like you and me are going to have to bail them out, I'll tell you. It's a challenge to manage that group, and that would be a whole other program, too, is actually how you do that, because much of my work is involved in sports ticket sales in professional sports. That's a, you are so good at media training yourself. I didn't even get through, you know, my life. I only talked about my first job and, you know, at WORTV, which then became WWORTV, New Jersey's first VHS television station. So I know a lot about FCC regulations as well, because that's a whole classic story. Boy, it sure is. But um, we will get to your official endorsed sales training area of expertise, routine. I promise you. It's really okay. I, you but know, I, and... The, the, the fascinating part of your story is how you ended up at the Playboy Mansion. Yeah, you know, it's a fascinating part of my story. I, I kind of like pinch myself every day saying, how did I get there? <laughs> and so how did you get there? Well, did, you, know, did, you know, the FCC doesn't have any cups on this, so you can say whatever you want. I could say whatever I want. You know, I really, really can't. Well, I mean, actually, it was that old-fashioned work value. I did very, very well. You know, I started at WRTV when I was about 19 because I skipped two grades. I was a smart kid. I was a whiz kid. 
very aggressive, you know, work, 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 work. So by the time, you know, I was like, you know, 24 years old, I'm like the senior public relations person at WRTV, and I'm, I'm you know, overseeing the move of um, Channel 9, you know, New York's television station, and moving it to Secaucus, New Jersey, and I'm doing everything from the ground up with govern- government relations and all of this kind of stuff, and I'm just a kid, you know? That's a good job. I mean, now listen, so you and I have this child, you know, prodigy thing in common. I, You know, it's like, you know, wow, I'm really doing this? I mean, you know, it's like weird. So then, you know, because I did everything young, I, you know, I took a little bit of time off because I had a baby very young, and now she's graduating from college this year. And, um, I, you know, all of a sudden I had some time to sort of look at the classifieds and stuff like that, and it said, number one men's magazine looking for a connected PR person with great contacts in New York. Now, number one men's magazine, Gertine. Number one men's magazine. I mean, I had no idea it was Playboy. I mean, I thought it was like, you know, was that GQ? Is it Esquire? I mean, you know, you don't think of, you know, when you grow up in Queens, New York, you think of Playboy as a goily magazine. You don't think of it as, you know, a men's magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? I... I have to tell you, so I responded I, because I was like bored. I wrote this like fantastic, you know, you know, cover note to my resume, um, and I did the same thing for the Red Cross. And the funny thing is, they both offered me jobs. Okay, Clara Barton or Barbie Benton, and the salaries were competitive. <laughs> okay, I mean, who would have thought? You would think the Red Cross was like this volunteer thing, you know? But no, the salaries were competitive. So I actually really had to think about it. Okay. <laughs> Lawrence Nightingale or Heidi Fleiss? Exactly mm. right. Well, of course, I went for the Heidi Fleiss. Of course. And, um, and the rest is really history. I, you know, I had those same kind of work values that you and I talk about and that you and I share that, you know, our echo boomer children don't have. And I just worked my ass off. I mean, you know, my challenge at Playboy Enterprises was everybody knew it was a girly magazine. How do I make this into a competitive, serious men's magazine that could get an advertising share of dollar from Vanity Fair and GQ and Esquire and every other mainstream magazine that was out there. So I had to kind of reposition the thing so people weren't only thinking tits and ass when they were thinking about Playboy. This was a big job. Yeah. You know, and and succeeded with New York Times stories and Wall Street Journal stories and, you know, talking about everything else about Playboy aside from the, you know, the sex element and build it into, I mean, really helped it build into a very mainstream acceptable brand in, you know, New York, Chicago, L.A., and worldwide. So that's how I ended up at the Playboy Mansion, because Hef was like, who is this girl that's getting all these stories at the New York Times? I want her here. <laughs> and it wasn't for my bod, babe. And you know what, and for listening, for those listening, I mean, that's a fascinating story. And the challenge in that, was, I mean, certainly the brand was well-known, but to take a, a well-known brand and to make it better is an enormous challenge, and obviously you were up to it, and, and, uh, and now you can hang your head on that, and you were able to do many, many other things because of it. And the naked footage of me swimming in the grotto is there for everybody to see. What can I say? It was innocent. Lilith <laughs> 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 says, Gertina, now it's all about you. You asked very, very good questions, and that was a great audition if everybody from Voice America, Internet Radio, want to recruit you as a host. So very uh, good. Applause. Bring it on. Applause. So listen, let's talk about this official endorsed sales trainer stuff. Uh, you know, you have a great radio voice, and we all know because you started in radio back in 1903 when Marconi invented everything. Uh, 
um, you, you, you have a lot of radio experience. And people who started at radio, you know, in a different day, in order to be on the air, you had to sort of finance yourself. And I would imagine that, you know, part of your quest while you were growing up in radio was going out there and finding sponsors. Yeah, yeah you had to do that. As, you know, it really was a minimum wage job. And one of the things that, that became of this is that, you know, when I was going through high school and college, and, and I mean, this was my summer job. Everybody else had, you know, work at McDonald's and everywhere else. I mean, I had the radio gig, and there were literally 12, 14-hour shifts on the weekends that needed to be covered. And, and that was my proving ground. When I graduated, I really wanted a full-time gig on the air, but they did not have that. And so they said, well, would you like to do this sales job? And it was a territory 30 miles out that had never been uh, any breached before. And so I said, yeah, I think I'd like that. Well, how much will you pay me? That? We'll pay you $150 a week. <laughs> and I'm living at home. It's 1983. I'm thinking, yeah, it's the start. <laughs> Go ahead. In seven months, I was billing a quarter of the radio station's revenue. Well, you and see, because you had to. Well... And, and you brought it up in your part. Everybody told you it can't be done in television. They said, oh, you'll never get a job in television. Everyone thought I would fail by going up north. And I was too stupid to know that I was supposed to fail. And so I did everything in my power to succeed. I didn't let others' thoughts determine what my outcome would be. Yes. And, and as a result, in seven months, we found out what the... the the opportunities were up north, and the station sold three months later because of the opportunity that we uncovered up there. Well, there you go. And I would imagine a lot of those contacts that you made probably, you know, made you an, a, an ingenious promotional guy <laughs> doing things like sports promotions. Am I right? Yes. Okay. And hence, now you've become, you know, the official endorsed sales trainer with the NBA just last year. Yeah. And works with professional sports teams nationwide to improve their ticket sales abilities. <laughs> I guess I don't have to improve on my writing skills. That's good. It's right there in front of you. Copy! <laughs> <laughs> now you know why I didn't... Remember when you said, well, you can ask me? You can see I'm kind of crazy. I can't... You know what? I can't stage it. I have to be extemporaneous. <laughs> and better stuff comes from it, so this is good. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole endorsed part of it... That, that, the sports sales industry is a pretty closed fraternity. There's, you know, if you're there, you're there, and, you, and people really enjoy what you do. You'll have work for a long time, but you have to get in somewhere. It's just like anything. The, the the barriers to entry keep a lot of people out. And in my case, I started doing customer service training seminars for chambers of commerce and that sort of thing. And a guy from the Chicago White Sox happened to be at one of my training sessions, and he said, "Oh, my sales team could really use what you're doing." And I said, oh, a sales team. So what do you do? Blah, 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 blah. And so I learned that there's an entire industry out there of ticket sales within professional sports teams. Well, I thought, like most other people do, that these things sell themselves. Things rarely sell themselves. But they, no, they don't sell themselves, and we know that. You would but think it, Playboy sells itself. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, so go ahead. Come on. Continue. So, and, and so we began talking back and forth, and we never were able to put a deal together because that year – was when the White Sox were hosting the All-Star Game, and it was a very busy time for them, so we didn't get together on it. Lo and behold, the guy who owns the White Sox happens to also own a little team called the Chicago Bulls. Wow. Go Bulls! <laughs> I had to do it. Sorry. It's all right. Yeah. And, and I'd have done it had it not been you. So the two people talked 
the sales managers from the Sox and the Bulls, and the Bulls had said, well, gee, we're looking for a new guy to help our sales department. And I had done this for many years, training my radio salespeople. And he says, I'm looking for a sales trainer. Do you know anybody that you've seen for a while? And so the guy from the White Sox says, yeah, I saw this guy. You should call him. And so he called and said, would you like to put in a proposal? We're doing a three-day sales boot camp for 15 brand-new account reps for the Chicago Bulls. And I really didn't think I had much of a shot, but of course you try it, right? You give it your best. And so I put my proposal in, and lo and behold, I was chosen, and I've been the sales trainer there for the last five years. Wow! And it allowed me to then build credibility with the Bulls, and then was allowed an audition with the ticket sales departments of all the teams in the NBA. That's really big, Bill Gwertine. It's huge. I mean, that's really big. Listen, you know what? We have to wrap up, but I want to say this. I, you, you are fascinating. I want you to come back on the show, so you keep in touch with me. But I want people to go to the 800 that's numerically, 800poundgorilla.com. Because, you know, this is a guy that anybody wants to increase business should know. Okay? So it's the 800poundgorilla.com. Okay? Or... Or your book site, www.realitycells.com. I mean, you are awesome. I wish more people were like you today, Bill. Well, you've been very gracious, Cindy. I appreciate being on the program, and we'd love to come back if that opportunity presents itself. Well, you know what? The opportunity will, because if you are as aggressive as you are, you're going to be coming after me, so I'm sure you will be. You make things happen the way that you think they should be. So listen, Gwertine, you've been a fabulous guest, and thanks for joining Stars of PR with Cindy R. My pleasure. Talk to you. Okay, thanks. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties, festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment, that's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L, entertainment.com. Or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakn-rollentertainment.com. The ability to wield power, shape the environment and the outcome, and the desire to make things happen are essential characteristics of all great leaders. Explore the essence of leadership from an insider's point of view on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio, international coach, consultant, and advisor to leaders for over 20 years. Get the unvarnished, inside story on how leaders in the spotlight take the critical decisions that deliver exceptional, real-world results and why they sometimes spectacularly and publicly 
publicly fail as well. Tune into Leadership Intuitions for a behind-the-scenes look at what gets great leaders up in the morning and what keeps them up at night. Go beyond the conventional advice about what great leaders are and what they do and learn how to create your own personal legacy as a leader. Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio broadcasts each Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, power, achievement, relationships. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Now back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back, and guess what? I have a mystery guest because I am so confused in terms of people who canceled today and people who are coming on, so you get to tell us who you are because I don't know. (laughs) How's that for an intro? Wow, that's a great intro. I don't, I'm not, I didn't prepare my intro, though. That's, uh, that's scary. Okay. Well, um, well tell, us, okay. tell us who you are, please. Sure. My name is Ron McDaniel, and uh, I'm on because I think I'm about the only person who's out there talking about employee evangelism. Which uh, Yes, you are. And we talked last week. There was a little bit of confusion. <laughs> God. You know what? It was so funny because I know I talked to you last week about bus marketing and buzz doodle and employee evangelism, but there was like a little bit of confusion because some people actually had to cancel the show and then my engineer got confused as to who was on the air and he was saying Bill's waiting and I'm like, Bill's on the air now. So it was just kind of a flux, but yes, Ron McDaniel, it's a pleasure to have you on Voice America, <laughs> Internet you. Radio, the world's number one talk internet radio station. Hi. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Yes. Uh, tell us about, you know what? Tell us about employee evangelism and how this all started. It, it, it all started because I probably experienced something that a lot of other business, small business owners, especially, have experienced, and that's um, frustration over getting your employees to create more word of mouth and buzz for the company. I mean, if they weren't in sales and marketing, they were dead set against ever talking about us. And I didn't understand that. Um, you know, I really felt strongly because I knew word of mouth was our best way to grow. I mean, we were growing pretty quickly because of word of mouth, and I wanted to kind of put that on steroids. And uh, I had staff meetings, and I would tell the employees, you know, I'll, I'll pay you guys. Just, you know, just talk to people. I'm not asking you to close the sale. Just talk about where you work and how great it is and stuff. And they would always kind of, okay, but they wouldn't do it. And um, so I was pretty frustrated. So I was having one of those staff meetings. And I had one guy, you know, I said, you guys have to create buzz. You can do it on the Internet if you're not comfortable about doing it in person. And the one guy looked me dead in the eye and he said, it's not my job. 
Mm-hmm. We hate that. Yeah, you, you were talking in the earlier segment about you know those you know the people that feel like entitled and stuff. He was great at programming, and it wasn't really his job. But my, I was very passionate about the idea that we all have to contribute to the, to the success of the organization any way we can, and you know by working hard, by you know contributing to more than just your job description. I was actually up at night thinking about it and stuff, and I came up with this idea for Bazoodle where that's all we address now is how do we get employees to, to understand how to create buzz and word of mouth uh, for their organization where they work. And uh, I make a lot of enemies, too, because people say, well, I've got some that just won't do it. I'm like, fire them then. Go find people that will because they, they suck anyways. So. Wow. Wow. And what's Buzzdoodle? I mean, I, that's what I don't understand, like, you oh. know. Buzzoodle sure. and bus marketing, I, that I don't get. Okay, well, it's Buzzoodle. It's from Oodles of Buzz. And it, um, it's putting together a plan where your, your existing fans, and I include employees, maybe family members of employees, maybe customers, and you, and you really help them understand how they can create more buzz and word of mouth. Maybe you create an incentive program, but you certainly don't have to, not, not necessarily money. It could be just recognition for the people that are doing a good job. And it's really ways to go out and create higher visibility and buzz online. Um, you know, you have you're the expert at PR, and that's so important PR. But there's this whole like sub level where it's in the blogosphere, and it's through casual emails, it's through word of mouth, it's through putting up profiles of who you are um, professionally online, and you can do all these things for no cost. A lot of times, or very low cost. And the inbound links to your website and all this stuff uh, help in a lot of different ways. And every once in a while, you hit a home run. You, you, somebody finds something that took somebody two minutes to do, and suddenly you have a flood of uh, work or opportunities from that. So we just help people craft that kind of a strategy. And you know, they don't really need us. You just have to sit down and really think about it. How do we get everybody creating buzz on a regular basis, daily, weekly, whatever? Okay, and is there a website for that? Uh, Bazoodle.com. We have... We have a book out. Uh, it's 57 different marketing uh, challenges for your entire workforce. It's available on uh, Amazon. It's just something it's not high-end marketing that's confusing or needs specialization. It's more something you can give an employee that's not in marketing, and they've got lots of different ideas on how they can go out and create buzz. Okay. <laughs> okay. But let's go back to this. You know, I want to go back to this employee evangelism thing because you know sure. that I'm on my soapbox about how disappointed I am with the new generation in the workplace. I am, right. you know, flabbergasted. Yeah. Um, I can't believe it's true. I um, So in terms of topicality for our listeners, um, you know, even though I might be taking the risk of pissing off some of the 20-somethings out there, I, I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> not all bad. There's two or three out there that are great. You know. <laughs> I mean, well, maybe one, yeah, in the whole entire world. <laughs> but um, I just, what I've seen, you know, in terms of, you know, this, you know, I, again, we call them the quote, end quote, my face generation, combining MySpace and Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, this, this self-entitlement when somebody else is paying their salaries, okay, this coming into work and trying to do whatever they can to do as little as possible, and, you know, they're having fun all day. They're social networking with their boyfriends. They say that they make, it, they make believe that they're doing it for work, but they're not. It's like what sure. people used to do with solitaire at the computer has gone wild, okay? Right. Right. And, um, 
you know, I, that, I'm really worried. I mean, our economy is in the shitter as it is, okay? What is this going to mean, you know, if this kind of mindset, okay, takes over the workplace? I mean, this is where, you know, people have to care about who's paying them and their work, not about themselves. Right, right. Like, that's, that's always a sensitive issue that we address, too, because we always start out with this. The absolute best way to create buzz and word of mouth is by delivering a great product or service. You know, you, you said earlier, products don't sell themselves, but if it's a great product with great services bundled with it and you get enough people trying it, obviously you have to do some intentional sales, but eventually a great product can kind of spread faster on its own. So you never update your MySpace page because you think it's going to create buzz at the expense of doing a great job at work. Because you have to deliver a great product or service or you're not going to stick around. Well, I, I, think, I think that conventional wisdom would prove that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems obvious, right? right? So, so, yeah, on the one hand, we're telling people you can do all this great stuff on the web. Uh, on the other hand, we're saying, hey, that's not your first priority. That's what you do when you're not getting paid, when you're at home. Or, you know, things we do, for example, is uh, have a weekly or monthly party after work one day a week. Um, you know, the company buys pizza and everybody sits around and goes on social networks or, do, you know, does whatever they want to do, blogging, and, and it's kind of a voluntary after-hours sort of thing to have fun and create buzz. And that's oh, a good way that, to say it's not... the doodle, huh? Yeah. <laughs> buzz doodle, yes, okay. So <laughs> it's, doodle, sort of, yeah. it's sort of like you're, you know, you are pulling employees together to do the things that they like to do, but doing it together. Doing it like together a, or doing it separately, but just, yeah, be careful not to do it on... Uh, you know, unless you're, that's your job responsibility, don't do it during the business hours, obviously. Oh, yeah, but, you know, they, they, and, they and they lie. These, oh. these, these Facebook, these, you know, well, again, my face, my mm-hmm. face, you know, these people, they lie. They say that they're doing things and they're not doing it. And they get away yep. with it. I, I, you know what? It's it's gonna hit, it's gonna explode. It's gonna explode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, again, it's just an issue, you know, for us baby boomers that worked really, really hard and had a different kind of work ethic. It's just like, you know, again, I see so many of these of these kinds of you know people, and they're just the kinds of people that will say, you know, I'm not going to promote your company, and that's what you're changing, and we applaud you for that. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to use the tools anyways, we might as well use them for good, right? Well, absolutely. <laughs> so how does, I mean, so you do this for a living, huh? Yes. So, yes. you know, how does one hire you? Um, well, right now we're rolling out something called Virtual Buzz Assistants, and they're just virtual assistants that have been trained in Internet and Buzz Marketing, and they just help you coordinate your effort, and they can do a lot of the work for you, or they can um, kind of help you manage your process. And... Uh, Right now, people just contact us through the Bazoodle website. Uh, they let us know what what they're interested in doing, and, and really, we assist them in being more successful. We're not trying to take it on and do it for them. Um, and you know, I love it when people just buy the book and try to do it themselves. That's great too. I mean, it's I, I don't feel like you have to have an outside party, but it's kind of nice sometimes to have somebody from the outside saying these are the rules and you're going to follow them, and 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 not put it all on the business owner sometimes. Well, listen, Ron, I really thank you for having you on the air. I told you it was going to go really fast, huh? Yeah, it did go really fast. But right. you said everything you had to say, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Thank you. Well, listen, thank you for taking the employee evangelism cause. I mean, it's a public service in addition to a business, so we applaud you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Ron McDaniel, and um, now we're going to go to break. Okay, thank you. Thank Bye. you. 
talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties, festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment. That's R A K N R O L L Entertainment.com. Or call 1 818 597 0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. We all know that somebody. They are always in a great mood, always smiling, always getting exactly what they want. What if that somebody could be you? Let Andrea with an I help you find your personal bliss every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America channel. Explore the endless possibilities of using the law of attraction through faith, trust, and support. Tune in Wednesdays to Ask Andrea, the law of attraction in action on the Voice America channel. Free yourself from the prison of your conditioned thoughts and destroy barriers that hinder your success. Tune into Empowered Living, Life, Truth, and Being Free with host, speaker, writer, and personal coach Steve Maraboli. Steve and his expert guests take you on a quest for truth and highlight philosophies and strategies that help you release your greatest self. It's time to shake off mediocrity, destroy personal barriers, live up to your greatest potential, and align with happiness, success, and excellence. With Empowered Living, Life, the Truth, and Being Free with Steve Mariboli. Broadcasting every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Empowered Living, Life, the Truth, and Being Free. Release the power within. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now let's get back to more stars of PR. Here's your host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back in our last segment on this wonderful Thursday morning, and we have Stephen Mc. McGee. Did I say that right? <laughs> you did, McGee. It's got that tricky H in there with Stephen McGee. Yeah, Stephen McGee, world-renowned coach and leadership consultant and has a new book called Learning to Believe the Unbelievable. Welcome, Stephen. Hey, hello. How are you? Where are you calling from, Stephen? From Denver, Colorado. From Colorado? Colorado, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> how did you become, how did you become uh, a coach? I, you know, I didn't, I never really set out to be a coach. I was doing quite a lot of speaking and I had, uh, you know, people come to me and say, hey, would you coach me? Seemed like there was something there from our talk today and I wondered if you might coach me one-on-one. So it's something that sort of 
happened to me, it feels like it was a real natural calling for me to be a coach. It was or, it was organic. <laughs> it was organic. That's right. <laughs> it was an organic happening. Yeah, and it happens with a lot of a lot of people who end up being leadership coaches. They they always see the ones that seem to have an organic story. I think are the ones that are more real, you know, and um, you know rather than talking down to people. Um, you know, sort of getting on a level with people and, uh, you know, uh, building them up from the ground up. Am I right about that? Yeah, I believe there's an authenticity to coaching, and I think that if a person is really looking for a coach, you really want to look at that coach's life and see that that person is really doing something in their life that's, I would call it living integral or, you know, being in their integrity, you know, and so... Uh, that was something that I think certain people saw in me, and 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 I'm not going to say that that's easy all the time. So I work it each and every day. Yeah, no, it's good. So, what kind of clients do you work with? I work with uh, all kinds of different clients. I work with large corporate clients, and you know some of the some of the top business people in the country, and uh, also with nonprofit folks, uh, people that are doing good things in the community. So I have a really diverse range of clients. Well, that's very secretive. You're not allowed to talk about them? <laughs> you know, actually, that's true. With some of them, they do request that I don't share publicly who who they are. They kind of like to keep me as their secret weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no fun, though, because you're competing with job coaches that manage to get past that. That's true. Leadership coaches that manage to get past that, you know. So surely you can find, I mean, you can find a way to say that you've worked with companies with. See, this is a PR show. So I have to give you the PR advice. Yeah, I love that. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, you know, if you're going to start doing media and press and stuff like that, which obviously you're doing because you're doing my show, um, you know, what you're going to find is is that if you're not able to talk about who your clients are, like the big guys aren't going to really want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of frustrating, isn't it? It can be frustrating. I mean, I can say that, you know, I work with organizations like, you know, Microsoft and Washington Mutual and some uh, of the people that are, you there know, you go. in the top of those organizations. So, but, you know, and, and there's a lot of people, too, that I do have a, if you go on my website, you'll see there's a lot of testimonials from people that are just fine to share, to, to go to the top of the mountaintop and shout out loud, you know, how my work has impacted what they're doing in the world and what they're doing in their business. Well, good. So you did address the question. I made you a little nervous yeah. there at first, but there you go. Way to go, Cindy. <laughs> you can't be writing a book without being able to talk about this stuff. Amen. What is, what is your website? My website is mcgheleadership.com. Okay. Well, you know, so let me ask you a question. You, I mean, do you mostly work with, you know, company, you know, the top end of staff or... You know, bottom end or staff or both. You know, what usually happens is I get hired by the by the leader in an organization, the C level folks. And usually, what happens in a coaching conversation is those people start to see the possibility for what I would call transformation in the culture of an organization. And from there, oftentimes, the work will go into, you know, larger scale rollout where we'll start to go in and work with teams of people. Those teams of people start to get the idea of what I call collaborative leadership. Um, And in my book, the subtitle of the book is Living Life as a Miracle Leader. And that subtitle really came to be when I started to see that each and every person in an organization has the opportunity, if they give themselves permission to lead, 
to really lead from the middle of an organization up. In other words, they can start to influence positive change in an organization, get top of the house attention, and then what we start to see is a greater result through people collaborating. So it often starts at the top, works to the middle, and then works its way back up. It creates a a positive tension within the culture of a of a company. No, a positive tension. I like that word. A positive tension, and it gives the middle guy. It empowers the middle guy, and usually, you know, they don't have as much empowerment as they should have. Well, a lot of times they think that they don't. You know, I was just listening into the the last part of your last guest, and I was just applauding what you were both saying about, you know, what we we might call the MySpace generation or whatever. And MySpace generation. Yeah, I see that too, and I see that there's a lot of those people that are, you know, just kind of lackadaisical about life and leadership. And so, in my book, I talk a lot about that. I talk a lot about accountability, integrity. And, and my thing on it is I see that a lot of those people really aren't happy because they're really not being generous of spirit with other people at work or in life. So what I did in my book was I said, you know what, you're a miracle. You truly are someone that has something to give this world. And until you see that, you might not be able to express the fullest possibility of who you are. So that all starts to be holistic or organic, if you will, in terms of how a person can come more alive into their work. I think that I agree with that. I've always been fascinated with management myself. You know, you, you probably know that. Um, you know, I became the number the number three at Playboy Enterprises Inc. Yeehaw! I didn't know that, but way to go! Um, you know, from working from the ground up. Yeehaw! I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. No, I'm very proud of myself. It's uh, it's legendary, huh? But, anyway, <laughs> but it, it, it didn't. Co- I mean, I had to work my ass off, man. I yeah. Mean, you know, Playboy sounds like it's fun and games, but you know, I reported to you know Christy Hafner, the CEO, and everybody know- who knows her from a business sense knows that she's not fun and games. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very very conservative. Then I had to challenge the fact that I was reporting to her father too. That's very much right side of the brain, creative. So I was right. in a really tough. I was in a tough position because I had to play the right side and the left side of the brain to make things go. But I did it <laughs> from my gut, and I did it well. And we actually did bring in, you know, some some coaches like yourself, you know, who were very very helpful in sort of empowering a team that was led by the left side of the brain and giving them credibility and respect from Hefner, who's, who's God and sits up in the sky, you know, doubting that anybody is as smart as he is. Right. And, I, you know, I was liaised with the coach, and we did, I have to tell you, we, it really made a difference. Really, really made a difference. So kudos to you. Well, thank you, and kudos to you for being a part of that. And I, re- I really love what you're saying about this left brain thing. I mean, oftentimes we'll come in, I'll come in and work with the, that analytical side first because there is a certain amount of credibility to that. So people know that we can go there, that we understand there's a return on investment, that we get there's a marginal contribution to the bottom line here. But what I also see is that until that other part of the organization is engaged, the innovation, the creativity, the brilliance of the people, it makes it really challenging to sustain long-term results. So I applaud that approach. No, I think there it's is a blend. necessary. There's need for you. I am a big coach fan. You know, I, I don't. I'm sorry to bring this up because you know he. You know, I, I think there's room for so many of them. But in a PR, in, on the PR side, we represent America's top coach, Stephen Xavier. Yeah. And um, you know, he. You know, we're we're doing. I think there's room for a lot of a lot of coach types, and I think that 
you know, American business should start receiving them because I think that American business is a crisis and a flux. Yep. So, um, you know, I, I think where the need really is going to begin to, you know, to continue and crescendo for people like yourself are in managing this new generation of people because there's going to be no succession. Who's going to be left? Yeah. Well, and to your point, I'll tell you, this was, a, this was eye-opening for me because it, when I was being asked to coach other people, there's a part of me thinking, you know, is there a need for another coach in the world? And I had this really interesting awareness, which was, you know what? Even coaches need coaches. Yes. When, when, you, when you get that, you start to realize that there's something incredibly valuable about having another person to talk to, to what I would call mirror back to you, who you could possibly, you know, who you can be at your greatest level of leadership. And, and suddenly it became apparent to me what you're saying is so accurate. It's like, yeah, the, the work world is in a crisis. And it's like, how do we get out of that? How do we rise up as leaders together in corporate America, in this country? And I think it's through leadership, but I think it's through self-leadership. And it's not about looking for someone else in the country to do the job that we as people in this country should be doing, which is standing up to our own leadership. Well, listen, we have to wrap up. Again, these segments go really fast. Yep. But here's a proposal, because I always like to make things happen from the show. We have to <laughs> – why don't we form a coalition? <laughs> I love it. We could form a coalition of coaches so we could all coach each other so we could get through this crisis. <laughs> because we need leaders for tomorrow, and I don't think that we have the talent or we have to, re- we have to train this talent. So right. I thank you for being on the show. Why don't you give your website one more time? My website is – is McGee, M-C-G-H-E-E, leadership.com. All right. Well, you thank you for joining the show. And now we, we have a cause, Revolution. I thank love you it. for joining us. Okay? You thank have you, a great Cindy. day. Yep, take Bye-bye. Care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific time for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. We'll see you next week.